what? Welcome, sports fans, to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don, presented by Give Us a Shot Network. I am the Don, Donato Bucci, and remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to subscribe to the Give Us a Shot Network channel on YouTube. And remember to leave us a five-star review. Thank you to Nicole Thompson for the great introduction and to our guy, Mike Regina, for the great pump up JT and the Don music intro. As the Don Nostradamus predicted, Denver one in five, Vegas one in five. JT was wrong, but let's welcome in everyone's favorite still, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? Why are you asking stupid questions? You know how I feel today. I've had to watch my teams lose back to back get knocked out and embarrassed in the championship first the heat then the panthers it, it's been a brutal week like I, I i slept downstairs the other night and i was just like i i couldn't believe it was over and then to add insult to injury we had to go through this with the canes like how could we be that close three times and just not it's just leave empty-handed i i we gotta be cursed like it's, it's impossible this is the worst of the cubs like cubs fans like i don't think you can relate to this three different teams in your city in Don't two do months. anything in their right there. In a two months. In a span of two months. But I, I don't, I'm going to be mature. Hats off to the Nuggets. They had a great season. They got the best player on the planet, as I've been saying for the past three or four years. And hats off to Vegas. I mean, they had, they had a plan when they came into the NHL. They stuck to it. They kind of did, like you said, they, they made it the first year that didn't work out, and they had to work their way back, didn't make the playoffs last year, and then they came and won it this year, so. Like, like you say, sometimes you got to go through that pain before you can win it all. But I don't believe in that shit. So I'm just I'm just saying the right stuff because my teams are out. But uh, Panthers eat heck of a year. Hopefully we're back soon. Yeah, they did. Right. Have, they did have a heck of a year. And I want you to know, I don't know if you caught it, but I was given a new nickname by the producers of the show. Nah, I mean, Don nobody cares. Nobody cares. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. All right, so you so you already you already you already went right to the first topic. So let's talk about the finals. We're going to recap, of course. My Heat went down in epic fashion. Um, we went down in five. Uh, Denver got the franchise's first title. So obvious question is, what went wrong for my Heat? It was the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> I mean, it was Jokic, Jamal Murray, a game a game four, Aaron Gordon. Like, bro, face it, Denver was and is the better team. They were the better team going into it, and they proved that they were the better team. And when you face it, I know you're a Heat fan, but you knew that going in. Like, you knew Denver was the better team. And, you know, when the support players for the Heat don't come up, Denver's going to win. And that's what happened. That's why they won in five, plain and simple. 
I refuse to just say like, oh, Denver is the better team. Do they have the better player? Absolutely. But let's not act like the Heat hadn't beat teams that people hold, thought were better okay. than them before. Hold on, though. Hold can on, I, though. Be time out real quick. Let, let me give you a timeout, and then that way you can address it, too. Bro, you were an eight seed that lost the first game of the play, and Denver was the one seed the whole season. Like, I get bro, it, but we were, we, were the, we were a top a seed team. just the year before with the same team. I get it. I get it. I get it. People didn't think we were that good this year, and it was this magical run, and we should just take you know moral victories and just be happy to be there. I don't look at it that way. This is three times that we should have either been in the finals or won the finals, and we we've blown it in the past six years. So I don't I don't agree with that. But I think what went wrong for us was the obvious, and I'm not going to be nice about it. Jimmy Butler, like he hasn't been the Jimmy Butler that we're used to in the playoffs. Like give me the Jimmy Butler in the finals in the bubble where. He played. He played so hard and did so much for the team. He was just tired, and that meme was created where he's just bent over in the in the uh, on out of bounds line, just tired as hell. Like we didn't even get that Jimmy Butler, and that compounded with I was thinking this every time I watched the game in this series, and I kept kept hearing it from the comment. The role players had to do too much. Like we were relying on Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, and Max Struess to to really carry us to a championship against the best player in the world. And Jabal Murray, who acting like he's the second best player in the world. So it falls on that we just didn't have a, a counterpunch when our role players didn't play well. And Jimmy Butler just wasn't him. He didn't get it done. So I'm blaming them for that. And anything you want to throw in there other, other than Denver's the better team? Are you saying what went wrong or the blame game? Because you asked me one question and you both addressed it. Both of it. I'm so mad. No, and, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll add this to what wrong, went, went wrong for the Heat. The same thing that went wrong in the Boston series is our overall lack of size, too. Like, we need to go get size. Like, we just <laughs> – if the ball is not going in, we're not getting a rebound. And it was embarrassing the past two series how much we were just getting killed on the boards. Like, by guys that aren't even that good. Like, we just couldn't get a rebound. Even if it was, you know, an off-location an off rebound, we still weren't getting those. So, lack of size and Jimmy Butler. But – I already gave my answer for who deserves the most blame, and it's it's Jimmy Butler. Like I said, he's supposed to be a playoff god. He looks no better than those role players. But who do you think deserves the most blame for the Heat not getting it done? You always love playing the, the blame game. Let's play the blame game. Someone's got to be blamed for this. Why, why, why are you acting so holier than thou? Like, if, if this were the Steelers that lost a Super Bowl like this, you'd be you'd be wanting to talk about everything. Who's the blame? Who's getting fired? Like why are you, the refs did this? You try to make it seem like I'm just a hater and I and I don't care. Like if this was your team, you'd be you'd be off the wall, making every excuse in the book, blaming everybody but Mike Tomlin. So don't don't act like you wouldn't be doing this. So answer the question: Who's the blame? One, my teams don't lose. Steelers have six Super Bowl. Six Super Bowls. I mean, listen, if 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 you don't want to blame Denver because they played so well, I, I agree with you. It's got to be Jimmy Butler. I mean, let's start with game five, right? Like, let's start with game five. He shot 27.8%, JT. He had 21 points for the game, but 13 in the fourth quarter. You're telling me you had eight points in an elimination game through three quarters? How, how do you expect them to win? Then he only added three rebounds and five assists. Like, that's just not enough. You're the leader. You got to show up in the elimination game. You didn't do that. Then you look at his other scoring games, game one, 13 points, game two, 21, game three, 28. But then he only added two rebounds and four assists in that game. And then game four, 25, like nothing stands out there. You're supposed to be the guy. You kept telling everyone, you know, we're all right. We're all right. Well, you guys weren't all right. So 
if we there isn't we Wayne's... haven't been all right he hasn't been all right for a while like yeah. I, I don't know if it was an injury i know well he's Nick's got the injury ankle. looked pretty he, bad he, he's, it doesn't he's matter got, like lebron was out there with one foot getting 40 point triple doubles like i don't want to hear it like jimmy butler is always screaming that he's him he's the best player and you know i'm working so much harder than everybody else and like He's an asshole, and we let him be an asshole because when it's playoff time, he shows up and he's Superman. Like, can't do that, and then play like this, like you played the past two series. So we all agree, we agree on something. So whoa, whoa, you got to add to the potty mouth jar two oh, times. Oh, there. we're gonna break that shit today. I, send me a bill. There's another one. So so let's talk about the man, the myth, the legend. I mean, I think this is probably our favorite player in the league. Like we've been battling over him in fantasy it seems like forever <laughs> whoever like has him for the viewers and listeners out there whoever has him literally has a direct line to the finals i think whoever has him on the team up. either goes to the finals every year right. or they win it it's mostly right. when you have him, you win so that's what i'm saying you you're in the finals if you get him whether you win or lose is a different story just don't mess it up so real quick funny funny backstory about Jokic. the first time i actually really had to pay attention to him I was doing a fantasy basketball draft and we were on the way home and I was in an area that had basically no reception. So my first pick at the end of the first round got auto drafted and it was Jokic. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? I was like, looked up his stats. They were okay. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll roll with it. And I just watched and I'm like, that's freaking amazing. (laughs) He's a good ass player. Like, why is he going number 12 in this draft? And then you just see him get better every year. And now he's the best player in the world. But, you know, everyone's on on the Jokic train right now. I'm hearing some crazy stuff about him. Craziest thing that I'm hearing is he will be the best big man all time when it's all said and done. Clearly, this this can't be true, right? Yeah, I don't think it's true. Um, it's hard to top Kareem, man. Number Kareem's number two in scoring all time. And you got to think about something with Kareem, the longevity of Kareem. I mean, he was winning titles in 87, uh, it, back in the finals in 88. I mean, he had been around forever at that point. But also, to me, I look at his, co- his college accomplishments of Kareem, too. So if you want to say big man of all time, are we talking just NBA? Because we're talking about all time anywhere. I, all I didn't think about it that way, but I mean, you could do that's that's a case against Jokic. You know, we don't right. we don't know his prep college. You right. know what his track would have been. You know, he played overseas. He's been playing as a pro since he was a kid. But you're right that I mean, playing in college and being successful enhances your legacy. If we're talking right. about overall basketball, yeah, and especially the one that Kareem had with all the titles at UCLA and playing for John Wooden. But I mean, you bring up a good point too, is that he's been you know Jokic has been playing. We have only seen him in the NBA. We forget. Outside of your story with the fantasy auto draft, auto pick, that the first year or two, it wasn't like he was racking it up. Like, I'd have to go back and look at Kareem, but I feel like when Kareem came in the league right away, I, I feel like he was much more of a presence than Jokic. And, and again, don't be a prisoner of the moment. Look at the whole scope of things. And I think it's always going to be Kareem. And I, I think. He needs to, you know, you did this with me to Otani. So, and I thought you did a great job in in going against me when I said Otani's top five, maybe right now. But Jokic, think about this. In order to pass Kareem in points, he needs to average 32 points per game for the next 10 seasons. 
I just don't see it. That would put Jokic at 38. I'm sorry. He's not scoring 32 points per game, 35, 36, 37, 38 years old. And think about this. What Bam did to him offensively, I thought was really well. Bam averaged 21.8 points, 12.4 rebounds, and 3.2 assists. Bam got his confidence back against Jokic. So to me, I, I don't think Jokic will be the best big man of all time. I think it's still going to be Kareem. Yeah, I agree with you. I think best case scenario, he has a shot to be in the top three. But you're right. Like, he's going to have to pass LeBron and Kareem in scoring. Like, think about how hard that was for basically the best player of all time had to play 20 years to pass Kareem. Like, LeBron has been, like, a top three player every year he's been in the league for two decades. Like, I don't see Jokic doing that. And you bring up a good point about the points per game. Like, he would have to average... 30 points a game or more for another decade. Like, I just don't see that happening. So I don't think he gets the scoring. I don't think he has the overall prowess, let's say, of like a Shaq or a Wilt either, like when it comes to just being able to score like that. And then the other factors, and I'm going to use the same argument that I did with Otani. Like, can he win more titles than guys like Tim Duncan and Bill Russell? Like, that's that's almost impossible to do, too. So if he can't get the stats and he can't get the hardware, now the MVPs he has, but he's got to get those championships too. So if he can't get the stats and the championships, I don't see how he, he can be the best big man of all time when he's retiring. Like if he if he gets both of those, he's just the best player ever. Like forget the big man. He's basically better than Jordan and LeBron if he can do that. But it's almost impossible. Like you said, he has to play at such an elite level for so long. And it's like, only one man could do that. That's <laughs> LeBron. So I, I don't think he'll end up being the best big man. And, and how about this? Who would you rather have in the low post defending for your team? Kareem or Jokic? I think it's oh, Kareem. Of course, Kareem. Right. I, I take that, Tim Duncan as a defender. I, yeah, I take that, I take Prime Shaq as a defender. Right. And, and I think that's another knock against Jokic being the best big man of all time. All right. So sad we have to put down our boy Jokic, but... Let's talk about another crazy thing that's floating out there. You know, as soon as somebody wins a championship, is oh, is there is this a dynasty? Is there a dynasty forming? So, but I asked it, dumb question. Do the Nuggets repeat next season? Is and is this a start of a dynasty? No and no, JT. The East still has Milwaukee, Boston, and Miami can easily reload. And then out west, listen. You mentioned it earlier. What I always like to say: you got to take your lumps to get to win that title. Sacramento. I hate when you say that because that's that's that that, that is true. And that, you know, you, are, you, you know what you can tell you can tell you coach you can tell you coach because that is something you yes winning a championship is hard. It has nothing to do with going through the pain to get there. Like that's what you're selling to your program. Like oh you know you guys. You guys, I'm not going to say you guys weren't good enough to win. It's just this is the next step. You have to suffer before you win it all. That's such coach speak. I mean, I mean, listen, I think that Sacramento went through those lumps, right? The Grizzlies we've seen are going through those lumps. Maybe John Morant comes back. You can't rule out the Lakers and the Warriors. You can't rule out the Suns, all right? Denver historically, JT, just had one of the easiest paths seating wise in NBA history to win a title. So Agreed. I just don't think they can go back to back and 55 out of the 75 champions fail to repeat. 
Like, that's not a good number. Even though that's still a lot, that's not a good number for you, especially when you just had the easiest run possibly of all time. And on the dynasty side, I don't think so because the health of Jamal Murray, right, that's still, that still worries me, all right? And the health of Michael Porter Jr. still worries me with his back long term. And he, you know, he may not be the best defender, but I always say he's got length. He can shoot the for a big defender. guy. He's not a defender. <laughs> he can shoot for his size. Like, and I think the mileage on Jokic is going to catch up to him because if he's got a big body, it's just natural. It's not that he's, he's in great shape, but he's already 28. Like we, you know, when you go back and look at LeBron, when he made the finals in 07, he had to have been what? 23 JT. That's a big difference. Five years is a big difference. So listen, they weren't at their best versus the Heat. I think had they faced the Celtics or the Sixers or the Bucks or or the true Jimmy Buckets, they might have easily would have gone seven. It would have went six or seven for sure. And then Bruce Brown is a free agent. Like, this is my question: Do you think they can win one in the next five years? Maybe, but can they win a total of three in the next five or six years? Because that's the true dynasty standard to me. Can they do what the Warriors would do? And, exactly, and I, I agree with you. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's no. They can't do yeah, it. I, it's so funny. I had that written down. No and no. Like, I think this is ridiculous. And I like everything you said. I agree with it. And I want to harp on Michael Porter Jr. Because I think Michael Porter Jr. Going from everyone thinking he was going to be a potential superstar to now he's a very good role player. Kind of kind of caps their upside to be a dynasty. And it, it almost kind of cost them this series now they got lucky and won the games but had michael porter jr been the player that everyone thought he was going to be coming to the league we probably got swept like mm-hmm. in convincing yeah. fashion yeah but i think michael porter jr not turning into a star and we forget he's got his injury issues with his back like we don't know how long he's holding up and, and that Palmer. may be the reason jt that he's not a star like like we thought like you and i maybe that's the reason why he did fall yeah, yeah, and it's it could be this is this was always going to be an issue, and they're lucky they got a championship with him on the roster. But I just don't see him being a top ten player like people thought before we found out he had the injury. Right. Same thing with Jamal Murray, tore ACL. I love the comeback story, but yep. I mean he's going to get older. Like he's going to have nicks and bruises, and like you said, Bruce Brown's a free agent. Aaron Gordon is Aaron Gordon, even though everybody thinks he's great, and like people forget, like Denver relied a lot on a small rotation even throughout the season and that's the one thing i worried about them in this finals was like all right if we're if if this rotation of of guys not getting it done like who can they go to on the bench like the heat could so i think it's more of it was a perfect storm why the nuggets won this year rather than like we're just you know seeing some dynasty that's forming so i agree with you on that and then let's go to my heat i Jimmy Butler's probably going to say this at some point, you know, hey, we'll be back. You know, this is just a setback for a giant leap forward or whatever inspirational stuff he wants to say. But let's be realistic. What's one thing that my Heat need to do to get back to the finals next year? Well, I think Mr. Thompson uh, Sr. is is, is wondering the same thing. So perfect timing with the question there. Um, I think it's go get Bradley Beal, JT. Go get him. You need that pure score who's also kind of a veteran, but he's going to give you quite a few years because he's only 29. I mean, we talked about Jokic being 28. You know, Beal is in that 29, so he's not a spring chicken. But 
He's a good veteran that still has some mileage, like good mileage level, not even mileage. He's still he's still in the prime technically. And, you know, they can move a combination of like hero, Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin, and you've got the number 18 overall draft pick. I'm not saying all of those pieces for Beal, but it allows you to go get a guy like Beal because I don't think you should have to pay an ultimate premium for Beal like he's a Kevin Durant. Let's face it. If that's what the Wizards want, they're not moving Beal. They're just not going to get Kevin and he, Durant. And he's already under a max contract. Because right. we, we, had, we had the same conversation. Was it last summer? And you said it. Like, that's the blueprint. Sign the max. Be unhappy. And then, you know, the team will find you a trade partner yeah. to go where you want to. So yeah. he, he, he took your advice. Be a and KD. He, and, he might, and he might get a ring by going to Miami and playing with, with Jimmy Butler. And the other thing I'll say about that move, and I think that's the one thing, because I'm going to only limit it to one thing, is that Jimmy Butler will still be the top alpha on that team. In the locker room. <laughs> in the locker room. But Beal is that great compliment that he's an alpha in his own right, but I don't think those two alpha personalities will clash. I, I know he had issues with John Wall, but I think John, you're about to say John Wall but, somewhere rolling his eyes different. like, it's, like it's you don't know, you don't know what it's like to work with this but, dude. But it's a little different because everyone knows going into that marriage, let's say that relationship, it's Jimmy Butler's team. Beal, you're coming here to put us over the top. Get yeah. it done. You're a mercenary, so to say. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. I agree with you, but I'm gonna go a different player. It's Damian Lillard. Go get Dame and stop messing around. You know, like coaching can only get us so far. Like we've gone as far as this heat culture could take us. Like look at our three championships. Like it was all when we had talented players on this team. Dame is the most talented person out there that I think we can realistically acquire. So stop messing around. Go get Dame. Make it happen. And because it's my team, I can give a second thing. Get more size. I'm tired of this small ball, small small ball stuff because – it's killing us in the playoffs, man. Like we're getting killed by by threes, like that are bigger than us. Michael Porter Jr. out there getting 12, 15 rebounds, and he don't even play defense or try. So get more size and get Damian Lillard, and let's put all this stuff to bed. Let's go win a ring. Yeah, that was the other thing I had: defensive size, right? A defensive big. Anthony uh, Davis. What's that? Anthony Davis. You know, he, well, I mean, he's out there somewhere. I, we should we should try to find a way to get him. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> If we got Dame slash Bill or AD, that team is going to look totally different, bro. Right, you're ridiculous right now. You're off the chart. Throw in Zion while you're at it. He's cheap right now anyway. We'll talk about him a little bit. Before, I don't like how we're agreeing so much. We got to change it up. But before we go to the next topic, this is a question just for you as a Heat fan. Was this a disappointing season in your opinion? Yeah. Anytime you make it wow. to the finals and you and you lose badly. And I think it was more disappointing for me because I saw how well we played last year. It was essentially the same team. We lost Tyler here on the playoffs, but we had played so much better in spite of him not being there. And for us to be so dominant for three series and then come into this series and just, just fall flat, it was just disappointing. Like they took me through too many, too many ups and downs, peaks and valleys. Completely disappointing. That's the great thing about sports. We won't get into it, but I, I disagree. I think it was a disappointing ending to the season, but not a disappointing. You're telling season. me the same stuff everybody who secretly hates the Heat texted me and saying on the phone, like, oh, you guys were AC. You shouldn't even been there. You should have just been happy to be there. Forget all that. We, we're supposed to be there. It's the Heat. We're supposed to win. 
I don't care who's in our way, so it's disappointment. It's, uh, pump the brakes there, okay? Disappointment. You guys, you guys have just been around. You guys have been around for like two seasons, all right? Just relax on that. All right, so according to a Forbes report, report earlier this week, the XFL lost $60 million in, in during the 2023 season. During This was during the third attempt now of the XFL, but it is projecting $100 million in revenue next year which includes $20 million from their TV deal with ESPN. So JT, this is a JT question. Is this a sustainable business or a Ponzi scheme? It's actually funny that you put that in there. I sent that to you as a joke, but obviously you thought it was good enough enough to make the show. Um, Wow. That's got, that's got a, that's got a harsh Ponzi scheme. You wrote it. I want to say Ponzi scheme, but I want to be nice. I want to say neither. It's a loan because they have, I don't know from who, but they have financial commitments, I think, for the next four years. So I think if it's not yeah. profitable by then, it'll be over and the investors will be looking to recoup. So we'll see what happens. But I mean, they're projected. He said, The Rock said they're projecting to be profitable next year. So I don't know. I don't know what they got in the bag that we haven't seen yet. But I will say this. This time around, I actually did watch the games and it was entertaining. And then I think seeing those guys play and then now those guys, I think like 75 percent of the guys that played are getting some sort of tryout in the NFL or something like that. It's a high number. So to see that, I think think enhances the brand for year two. I don't know if it was 75. I think that's too high. But the number of guys was like 65 or something. I think it was like 65. My bad. My bad. Not the percentage, but the number of guys. Right. But I think. What they have to do is they got to find a way to get the games on when people are in the mood to receive football that doesn't compete with the NFL. Like, I think they should consider maybe like early in the year, like there's a season overlap. You guys play during the week or something. It's risky, but you got to find a way to do that. But I I think it was good the first year. So they got a plan. They got the money. I think it's a loan, not a Ponzi scheme. And we'll see what happens next year. Um, no, I liked it too. You know, I went to a couple games. I, I was I was all in on the DC defenders. Um, listen, I want to believe the XFL can survive and thrive. And I agree with you, it's neither sustainable nor a Ponzi scheme. All right. I believe Barack and Danny Garcia, they're in it for the long haul, right? They're not gonna just turn around and try to sell it or, or fold. But if you expect to make a hundred million dollars, yet you lost 60 million this year, JT, expenses you know, seem to be a lot. And if there's 60 million, then even if you make a hundred million, it's a slim revenue margin at best. Like, because, because you're saying that you lost 60. So that means the expenses must be more than 60 because you had to bring in some revenue. So to me, you won't be bigger than the NFL. What you got to try to do is bigger, be bigger and outlast U.S. So then you get all of the really good players. But I like their setup, the home games instead of like the hub cities like the USFL. In the rules, I liked it. Um, But, you know, when they just laid off like some full-time workers and they're trying to make people now seasonal employees right there, JT, that tells me it's not good. So to me, I just, I don't think it'll last. So I guess- it's not a sustainable business. I think it'll get through next year because like you said, they have four years of commitment, but I just don't think it's going to be, it's just not going to be enough if they're already doing this. Sorry. 
Yeah, I would like to know if they were just like they did the numbers when they decided to start this back up. They're like, all right, cool. Like we know they were going to take X amount in losses that year one, and like what that number actually was and how close it was to what they actually did lose. So I'm interested to see what what that number is. Yeah, the thing, JT, is at the end of the four years, or when that con, or when, or when that contract is up, like what you know what happens. All right, so <laughs> switching from XFL to NFL, let's talk about two players in particular. So you know, we get to the off season, and you know, there's always going to be player drama because there is there are no games. So. Guys fighting about money, not showing up to camp. So we're going to talk about two guys in particular, Saquon Barkley and Stephon Diggs. So let's talk about Saquon first. So he's not attending the Giants mandatory mini camp this week. Um, he has not signed his franchise tag offer either, which is, I think, about like $10 million. Meanwhile, in Buffalo, Stephon Diggs was absent on Tuesday from mandatory mini camp, but he came back uh, today and was spotted practicing and participating uh, with his teammates. So well, let's talk about Wednesday, Saquon. Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday yeah. sorry. Yesterday. These days are running together. Jesus. So let's the talk about Panther, The Heat and Panthers losing has taken a toll on you, dude. I know. I'll tell you, I haven't, I haven't slept. I've been, I've been distraught. This is the life, the life of champion adjacent franchises. The life so, of losing in, in finals, unlike Pittsburgh, when we win with the Penguins and the Steelers. It's all right. All right, we get it. Pittsburgh is great. Can you shut up? Damn. Can we get, can we get an NBA team? That's all I want. I just want an you, NBA you team. never shut the hell up. <laughs> I know. So can we talk about Saquon? So yeah, let's do it. Crazy idea floating around. He kind of added fuel to this fire with some comments he made. But will he sit out the 2023 season like Le'Veon Bell did by not signing his franchise tag? No, no. Um, he had one, he had a bigger rookie contract with a bigger signing bonus than Le'Veon Bell. So he doesn't need to have that monstrous second contract the way Le'Veon needed to. And listen, if you're Saquon, you he saw what happened with Le'Veon Bell. Like he did not get a significant yeah, Le'Veon Bell got paid. <laughs> well, no, but he didn't get a significantly better contract with the Jets than what the Steelers offered. And he got cut after one and a half seasons. So and he never recovered, JT. Like, if you're honestly, if you want to be in this for the long haul to make as much possible money as as you can, then you got to get in there and work. You got to get in there and play. You got to get in there and get paid. It may not be as much as you want. I disagree be, with you. I disagree with you when it comes to. Hold on. I disagree with you when it comes to, to running backs. The best way to be financially successful is to be a first round pick. Like, let's be honest about that. And he did so 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 Saquon at least has that going for him. Exactly. That's my point that he doesn't need to sit out because he got that bigger contract. Now he can make some concessions, whereas Le'Veon was like, oh, I only got four years. Saquon had five years at, at, a, at a bigger rate. And now he can scale it back. And this is the other thing. Don't piss off New York Giant fans. Don't piss them off because that'll that'll be the end of, of, of your career. Yeah, they're Philly fans in disguise. I agree with you. And I think it has more to do with how much he's getting on this franchise tag. Like, let's be real. Like, Saquon is not going to hit the open market and get a multi-year deal making $10 million per, at least. Like, they're not going to give that to him. And it's because he's such a huge injury risk. Like, we've seen – this is, like, the first really good season I think he's had since he's been in the league, really. Like, this is best season. Like, we forget about the two years before that where he couldn't stay on the field. Whereas Le'Veon Bell – was viewed as a risk more off the field. Like, he was elite, like, right before he sat out. So 
I think it's two different circumstances. Le'Veon Bell, I think, had more leverage in his situation just because he was at his peak where, like, Saquon is still kind of – he's in the prove-it, like, for, like phase. Right, right. So it's hard for a running back to be like, all right, I've been hurt. Like, pay me or I'll sit yeah. out. Like, no, you take that $10 million, you show up, and hopefully next year some idiot will give you a Todd Gurley contract. So, yeah. Or this so Saqu- – or this is what I would do if I was Saquon saying, okay, well, you know, Le'Veon un- ended up with only about $30 million guarantee because they cut him after a season and a half. How about instead of giving me $10 mil or $12 mil a year, why don't I sign like a $60 million contract over the course of eight years, but guarantee me 45 or 50 of it? Oh, then he said, <laughs> then he said, I mean, eight years, $60 million, you know, you They're giving you're, out those hockey gonna, contracts now. You're, you're gonna, yeah, but you're gonna get like four or five seasons out of them, and that's what you want. Then you can end up cutting him, still absorbing some of the signing bonus, but the dead cap is is reduced. But he still gets his guaranteed money now. Whether or not he would want to sign for that long, but the way I look at it is, at least you get all your guaranteed money. All right. So we agree. Saquon, show up, get your money, get to work. Hopefully, you guys can make the playoffs and lose again. Now the next guy is. I think that story is a little bit more interesting. So Diggs, like you said, absent on Tuesday, came back on Wednesday. Uh, Sean McDermott, the head coach, also said the first day where he was absent, he was very concerned. So this has us thinking, is his absence from camp just about his contract or does he actually want out of Buffalo? Dude, who who knows? I mean, he just signed a four-year, $96 million extension last offseason with 47 of it being guaranteed at signing for total guarantees up to $70 million. That was just last... Barkley would take that in a heartbeat right now. <laughs> that was just last offseason, JT. So you know what? It only starts this year because it was an extension. He was still on the old contract in the 2022 season. Like, to me, it cannot be about the contract Plus, he just restructured it to save the Bills' cap space as well as Josh Allen did. So then, speaking of Josh, like, he must still be – Diggs must still be in his feelings about how that playoff loss went down. And, like, speaking of Josh Allen, like, you know, receivers think that great QBs – like, if he has an issue with Josh Allen, like, he's mistaken. Because, you know, receivers think that great QBs just come out of nowhere. They just grow on trees and general managers find them, like – no, that's not true. Like, and I know you want to bash Josh Allen all the time for Diggs being upset, but you're a conspiracy theorist. And I can't believe I work with you, but it's like, it's Diggs. Diggs is just in his feelings right now. He'll get over it. They start winning. It'll be kumbaya. So I'm glad we got that out the way that it's not about yes, the money. Yes, like- I'm Cause like I'm you glad. said, he signed so he signed can... that big deal last year. You know what? I had to go back and look. I was like, I was like, I was like, well, maybe I know he signed an extension. Like I think it's last year, like with Minnesota. I'm like, is it time for me to get rid of? I'm like, I forgot he signed basically a hundred million dollar extension last year. I'm like, what the hell is he complaining about? And then I'm like, you know what? I do think he wants out. I think this is about the Buffalo organization. I'll tell you why. Because there's been hints Here's about the this. conspiracy. No, get, there's get been ready, hints of this. Fans, get ready. Here it is. So you already talked about the blow up last year, last year in the playoffs uh, when they lost to Cincy at home. So everybody saw that. He blew up on Josh Allen on the sidelines. So tuck that away. Then this offseason, I don't know if you remember, I think it was April, he tweeted, uh, come rescue me. <laughs> so, I mean, that's weird. 
And then today, they asked Josh Allen, like, hey, like, uh, is everything good with you and Stephon Diggs? I, I wish you could see this video and the look on his face. And he said, yeah, Steph gonna Steph. So that tells me it's not about the money. It's about what's going on in Buffalo. And I'll narrow it down to this because I know you don't want me to be a complete conspiracy theorist. I think it's the play calling. And I think that's why Diggs is upset. And you and I noticed this last year because, you know, we're all over fantasy. We're trying to get an edge. And we're always looking at the Bills games. We're like, why the hell is Diggs not in there? So I look back and I'm like, yeah, he did go out of the game at a lot of times where they're like the game is still a game. He played less than 70% of the snaps in 12 of the 18 games last year. And I'm like, that's kind of crazy because the Bills are the most, if not one of the most pass-happy teams in the league. So to have your number one receiver not playing close to 90% of the snaps in all the games, like that's crazy. And then we've been saying this for Josh Allen and the Bills as a whole, and I'm going to let this trickle down to Stephon Diggs. I think he's frustrated with his his role, and I think Diggs saw the writing on the wall once Brian Dayball left, and I think this is just the ending of that. And I do think he wants to go somewhere else. And then you can also throw in, like, they were entertaining bringing in DeAndre Hopkins. So it's like my role has been reduced. I still balled out in a limited snap role, and now you want to bring in another alpha receiver, and I don't think the play calling is as good as it was before. Yeah, I definitely think he's considering leaving Buffalo, and I think they're, he's looking at it as, if I got to stay here, make it worth my while. Offer me more money, even though he's getting paid a boatload already. But I would willing to bet that he does want to get out of Buffalo is because of how they're doing things on the field. So, JT, at that point, is like, is it the Bills? Or is it actually a Stephon Diggs thing because he did the same thing in Minnesota, got his way, now it could be. It could be a Stephon Diggs like, thing. So, so unless everything is 100% perfect, you have the greatest play calling, you've got the greatest head coach, you've got the Hall of Fame quarterback, you've got no other targets, so you can get all of them and eat up all the receptions, get your big money. So unless everything is perfect, he's not going to be happy. Like, I agree with you. Stephon, you Stephon, this, Stephon this Diggs, we know this. We know he has a strong personality. Like he had it, he had it in college, he had it in Minnesota. And he had it when he got to Buffalo. The only thing that helped out was Josh Allen just happened to be ascending and he's really talented. And he was just targeting digs like <laughs> probably the tops in the league. So it's, it's, it's all these receivers, like keep them happy, give them tons of targets. But that's short lived when you guys don't don't start winning the big games and people are starting to point the finger like what's wrong in Buffalo? Because I told you this. I told you when they did that blow up on the sideline, Diggs knows what's coming. Because as soon as Buffalo keeps failing and failing, who's the first person going to blame? It's him. Josh Allen will be the last person they blame. By the time they blame Josh Allen, the the window to win a title will have passed. Relax. It's never the receiver. It's always the head coach. Come on. It's always the head coach coach in the NFL. That is. Sean McDermott. Jern would agree. You know, he should go first. But it's the players first. And then it's the coach. Then it's the quarterback. No, it's never the play. It's the head coach in the NFL. Come on. All right. So you it's so you think coach. it's you. So what do you what was your answer? Like, you think it's I told you he's he in wants his, out. He's in his feelings about the playoff loss. All right. So he's still he, mad that they he's lost. Having, the he's having some sort of, you know, relationship issues, whether it's with the coordinator, the quarterback. And what I'm saying is you better appreciate sometimes where you're at, because the grass isn't always greener. Go yeah. ask all the Steelers that leave. Go ask Bud Dupree. Go ask, ask Devontae Adams right now where, where he would rather be. 
in Vegas exactly. or in Buffalo. He switched exactly. positions with you in a heartbeat. You know exactly. what I mean? People and receivers in the league would love to play on a yep. team with Josh Allen. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, let's be real. We don't know if you're actually really this good. <laughs> Josh, because everybody's saying Josh Allen's Josh well, Allen's a Hall of Fame right, player. Hold, Did he wait, make Stefan Diggs? I'm right, just saying. Well, don't be disrespectful. I'm not being disrespectful, but I mean, hey, look, he did it. He, he did a great job in Minnesota. Come he on. did. I I agree with you. I don't think that's true, but you, I guarantee you, if this drags out, you're gonna start seeing people turn on him in social media comments, like, "Oh, Diggs ain't that great." Josh Allen made him. I'm just saying, Diggs, be careful. Just, then they're just then they're ride gonna be, the wave. Ride the wave. Come up with a good exit plan. Then they're gonna be responding with their emotions and being their feelings too. So, all right. So speaking of football, let's stay with it. HBO, though, JT, might have a difficult time finding a team for their annual Hard Knocks series during the NFL's training camp. Based on the eligibility rules for teams to make the show, only four teams qualify. Four. Four teams. That's it. Qualify to appear, but they may not be interested in it. The four teams are the Jets, Bears, Saints, and Commanders. So. Who do you want on this year's series? It's so bad. They're even considering running it back with the Lions, I heard. So, <laughs> I mean, this is an easy answer. We want the Jets. Like, Aaron Rodgers and Sauce Gardner, Gardner would be box office. And then they have a bunch of young, up-and-coming stars with personalities on both sides of the ball. Like, I want to see Brees Hall's, you know, recovery coming back from ACL surgery. I want to see Garrett Wilson put on a clinic. Like, I want to see some of these rookies they've drafted. I want to see the guys on the other side of the ball. Like, I want to see Robert Saylor. Like, I want to see him. Like, yeah, and, it, and it's New York. I think it would be great for the NFL. The Jets are, I guess, a historical franchise. They don't win much, but everyone has them up there as, you know, a blue blood franchise. Yeah, and you got Aaron Rodgers <laughs> now. I definitely no want to see the Jets. No one has them as like, a blue hey, the blood. Jets is, hey, it's New York. Come on. It Joe Davis matter. won one championship, and the Jets are a top five all time franchise. You know how this works. Uh, is it my turn? Is it, all right. Listen, we're there's Aaron Rodgers fatigue. We're done with that. We don't want to see him. Uh, anymore. You done with it? We don't need him on reality TV. Ask your ask your father. Is he done with Aaron Rodgers? He he would disagree with you. <laughs> I mean, I'll take him in a trade. Um, listen. The Saints. That's what we want to see. And I'll tell you why. There's a lot of, JT, there's a lot of good TV storylines here. Because forget about Green Bay. It's all going to be focused on Aaron Rodgers in the QB meetings. Oh, what kind of snarky remark can he make? We, we don't care anymore, okay? You got your money. You got out of Green Bay. Go have fun in New York as the Jets always lose, haven't won a Super Bowl in 60 years. So it's the Saints. They're never on because they're always making the playoffs. That's one of the eligibility rules. If you made the playoffs in, within the last two years, you can't, you don't have to go on. You're not eligible. So they're always making the playoffs, right? All those years with Sean Payton. So now we get a chance to see him. And this is the intriguing part. I want to see Derek Carr and what he's saying about all the stuff that happened in Vegas with the Raiders. The whole John Gruden saga. I want to get his take on it, what the players really felt about it. I mean, him. John Gruden is there. Like, I don't know if he's still there, but he was there helping that's, install yeah, the offense right. when Derek Carr got there. So yeah. maybe he's still hanging around. I mean, would Hard Knocks put him on? I mean, if that if that is what's happening in New Orleans, I mean, it would be 1B at that point. I, just to see, like, what Gruden going to say and, like you said, if Derek Carr going to be a snitch or not. Yeah, and then the Michael Thomas thing, like, can we actually find out if he's healthy? So maybe you can get some value in diamonds. He wants to, he wants to say because 
because they got the most available fantasy football question marks. He's like, he's like, I want to see Michael Thomas survive four weeks of practice. I want to see if Alvin Kamara is going to jail. Don't ruin it. Well, that's the other thing, man. You, you just you ruined my punchline. You ruined it. I All right, but you want you want too, you want too many answers because the question is about hard knocks. It is, but then the other thing is we get to see the whole Alvin Kamara situation, like. Bro, right there, that is court TV. That's reality TV. And the Saints are providing all that. The Derek Carr stuff with the Raiders and Gruden. Michael Thomas with his injuries. The guy we feel like hasn't played, but we feel we know he can play. Like, he still has the talent. And then the Alvin Kamara situation. You keep saying, he's not going to play, dude. He's not going to play. Well, what better way than to have all this drama? Because if it comes down in the summer, Hard Knocks is going to be there. It's reality TV in your face. It, it's clearly the New Orleans Saints. Clearly is. Sorry, I didn't mean to ruin your punchline, but for fantasy purposes, so for fantasy purposes, up. we want to see the Saints. For entertainment value, we want to see the Jets. Can we agree no, on that? No, this is even better entertainment. This is reality TV. How many times do I have to tell you the Saints are more entertaining? I mean, you are the reality TV expert. I mean, you're you're yes. uh, and, and if you're, <laughs> you're a Jersey Shore expert. You you are you right. know you know that's about right. more good reality TV than me. So I guess I'll take your I'll take your opinion on it. Here's a, here's another one, not the best one, but you know it's kind of you get a couple of chuckles out of it. The Stallone family, they they have. Oh, is that actually good? I've seen the previews for it. It's good. Paramount Plus. Yeah, turn it on. You'll get a chuckle every once in a while. Yeah, that sounds like I'll I'll I'll, I'll wait for you to give me the updates. <laughs> <laughs> Can we go back to the NBA real quick? Uh, yeah, let's go. All right, so you talked about the Saints, so we're gonna stay in New Orleans. So the Pelicans are reportedly all in on trying to get Scoot Henderson in the draft. So they can have their quote-unquote point guard of the future. So the Pelicans currently have the number 14 overall pick in this summer's draft, but Scooter's obviously project, projected to go in the top three. Now, there's rumors that they are possibly willing to throw Zion in the deal to get this done. Should they be moving Zion in any trade that they do to go get Scoot Henderson? Yes. Yeah, they they should. They definitely should consider it. And if it gets them up there, listen, but I would more I would want more right than just an even swap. It can't be an even swap because Zion, we've seen the potential. And when he was a number one overall pick, like he's a potential generational type talent that changes your franchise. But with me, if I'm New Orleans, like, you know what? I've been bit by this before. Let's get out early. Let's get as much assets as we can. So it can't be an even swap. Portland JT holds the number three pick. And guess what? Portland can keep Dame, bring in Zion, so they pair them. So it's a win for Portland. Portland gives the number three, all right? Then on top of that, Portland has the number 23rd overall pick, another first-round pick in this year's draft. So throw that in there. New Orleans should also ask for Shaden Sharp in that deal and then a future first round pick maybe like a 2026 2027 listen zion is not dependable we've seen it the, the writings on the wall in my opinion injuries will only slow him down as he gets older like he's in he should be in in the peak of his physical conditioning like you know being able to deal with soft tissue injuries like he's that so young 45 guy. games <laughs> I mean, but that's what you're getting, right? So if you can get a number three, a 23 sharp, who's an up and coming guy, who's going to start for Portland and then a future first rounder, like, I think you at least build toward that future and try to make a run at it. Like the Warriors did with all these good picks. 
I agree, because I said this before. To the Pelicans, at this point, Zion is a sunk cost. So anything that they can get for him that helps them continue that upward trajectory, I would do. Like, I don't even know if Scoot Henderson is this good. I keep hearing about him. I've heard about him for a year. I mean, he's a point guard that's athletic as hell, so we'll see how he does. But, yeah, I would say trade him while he still has name value or people view him as still having potential upside because people laughed at you when you when you did that comparison. I think, was it last year, when you were like, when they gave Zion the extension, you were like, what did you give Gray Golden this extension? And you're like, hell no. They played, I think, the same amount of games for the first three seasons. And it's same thing, injury concerns. And everybody was like, Oh, well, Gray Golden and him aren't the same. How can you say that? And here we are a year later. Zion looking more and more closer to Gray Golden than this guy that's about to break out, break out. So if I'm the Pelicans, yes. And the fact that this is even out there means that they are probably 95% willing to do this in a trade. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't think New Orleans would get to this point. But, hey, when where there's smoke, there's fire, as they say. So. Let's move on to boxing, my my one of my favorite sports. This past Saturday night, I know you didn't watch it, JT. It's okay. Tiafimo Lopez looked to be back in form as the takeover. As he yes, defeated, because I was watching the Panthers on Saturday. But Luke, oh, yeah, that's Luke, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. As he defeated a previously undefeated Josh Taylor in what appeared to be a closer fight. All right, on the scorecards than it actually was, or at least in in the the Don Nostradamus's opinion. This past Tuesday, Tiafimo, while on TV with Max Kellerman, announced his retirement from boxing at the age of 25. All right. So does Tiafimo stay retired from boxing? You have to fill me in on this. Like, I thought this guy was like a couple years ago, like a rising star. Like, yeah, he, he beat Lomachenko. To, yeah, he was he was supposed to be one of the well, next guys yeah. that we talk about. Every time he's fighting, it's it's, it's box yeah. office like one of the pound for pound. I mean, he still is. He 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 got back with a Josh Taylor victory. Josh Taylor was undefeated going into this, and Teofimo looked good. So so how can he be done? Like I gotta say, no. There's there's got to be more to this. I I have no clue. But twenty five, you got the name recognition. Like you got the talent. Like you're in your prime. Like you work so hard to get up here and you retire after a win. Like. You ain't at the Kobe farewell stage yet. I I can't buy this. Like I, he's got to be coming back. Like this, 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 there's got to be something going on. But retirement, I just can't buy. Well, we know if you watch the interview that he had uh, with ESPN, I think it was with Mark Kriegel. You know, Tiafimo and his dad they've had you know a contentious relationship lately. I mean, it's his trainer, but you know the dad came into the interview room and like Tiafimo was saying some things, and the dad's like, "No, nah, that's not what you mean." And you know they're, they're gonna they're gonna make you have to be the bad guy, and like Tiafimo kind of went off on him a little bit. So he he's he's been going through some things. Uh, I think personally, probably a lot of weight on his shoulders, but not a chance he stays retired. When Devin Haney or Ryan Garcia fight come up, and it's a pay per view, and he's probably the A side at least in the Ryan Garcia fight. Shoot, the Devin Haney fight too. After that fight, I just see him lose. I'm like, if Devin Haney coming up for a fight, that's that's easy to be. Right. Tiafimo looked like he defeated Lomachenko way easier than Devin Haney did. And it's it's going to be a huge payday. And you're only 25 in, I think it's just a very spur of the moment, emotional decision that he made. Plus, he, he wants to be one of the great ones. And that can't be done with you retiring at 25. Um, you know, he'll he'll be back. He'll be back. 
Um, right. they, they did say that Max Keller, the word is out there that Max Kellerman is the poor man version of the Don. But I think Max Kellerman does Don Corleone Cornelius over there. Yeah, that's you, right? <laughs> All right. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, hopefully he can get back and hopefully he can get some of those big fights. I think those two are definitely winnable, Garcia and Haney. So a lot of money to be made, big wins for him. So hopefully he can get over the family drama and, you know, maybe get with somebody, somebody new, new trainer, new, new handlers, and maybe he can get, you know, that passion sparked again to box. Cause you know, sometimes it's like any job, you know, you don't, you got stress factors and you just don't love it. You don't want to do it. And you know, you don't want to be going into boxing, but you know, like half in half out, that's how you right. get hurt. So no, right. I think, I think there's a plan to it. All right. We'll see. We'll see. So let's, <laughs> this is probably the most controversial well, thing going on not, right now. You could not wait to talk about this. No, 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 no. Hey, look, stuff is going on in sports. We got to talk about it no matter how much you dislike it or not. We got to talk about it. This is one of the biggest stories in sports. So Baby Gronk couldn't get around this. So if you haven't heard or seen the Internet sensation player named Baby Gronk, he's only 10 years old. And if you haven't seen him, just Google him or check your inboxes because apparently his dad <laughs> DMs everybody <laughs> for promotions. But Baby Gronk's father, no relation to Rob Gronkowski, has essentially made a brand out of his son's playing ability. He has uh, he was able to get uh, NCAA star Olivia Dune to meet and take photos with his son. It appears that uh, Arizona football has already verbally made Baby Gronk an offer for a future scholarship. Now. However, the dad is catching a lot of criticism for pushing his kid into the spotlight. Talking about the dad, is he wrong with the way that he's handled this whole situation with his son? Well, I've told you this in the pre-production meeting that, I mean, I'm not going to criticize. I don't, I don't like to criticize or give parenting advice, all right, on how people should parent their child. Like, you know, they, they do what they feel is best. And so I'm not going to do that here. I'm not going to criticize or give parenting advice. And let's be clear, though, JT, that um, the father, Jake uh, San Miguel, um, he from what I understand, he's not doing anything illegal. Right. Like he's not doing anything illegal, you know, to the son or or anything with with these, you know, whatever, sending DMs or getting photos taken, whatever it is, um, or at least as far as we know now. If he was, then we would, you know, obviously we would criticize, criticize him and, and wouldn't condone that. Um, the only thing I will say, though, is I hope that he knows meaning the dad. I hope he knows what he's doing because it puts a lot of pressure on his son at a very young age. I mean, this kid's 10. It's not like he's 16, 17, 18, where you say like, all right, like he gets it, right? He gets the way social media works. He's, he's 10. Starts- He's 10. Think about what you were doing at 10 years old. I know. That's crazy. I mean. You were playing soccer, right? Of course. All right. Going undefeated. Oh, really? City champs? Going (laughs) city champs. (laughs) The Alacupa Triple A's. (laughs) You don't want it to be like a negative impact on him in the future. And so that's all I will say. You know, that's all I will say with that. Make sure you know what you're doing. Yeah, I agree with you. It's. Taking out the aspect that nothing illegal is going on, I think it's kind of hard to tell people, you know, how to raise their kids. And that's always a touchy subject. But I'm just going to go from what I've seen. And is he wrong? No. And it's because I hate this narrative that athletes have to come from like humble beginnings and have minimal parental push 
in order to be successful. Like, are there bad examples? Yes, Marinovich. But are there chances that 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 dad was actually a bad parent and had nothing to do with his son playing sports? Yes, possibly. You look at guys like LeVar Ball, like, and other parents that push their kids toward, you know, goals and athletics. Like, it works out. Also, I don't like the double standard that it's not okay to push your kid in athletics, but we parents do this all the time. Like, they push them to be doctors, lawyers. Like, you know, they do it in an overzealous manner or whatever, or, you know, taking over a family business. Like, parents push their kids all the time where it could be viewed as stepping over the line to do something in the future to be successful. I just hate how when it's sports, you know, like, Hey, well, that's too much, but you know, we can do all these other things. So I don't think there's anything wrong with what he's doing at the, at the very minimum, he's setting up his son for a financially stable future, because let's be real, unless this kid turns out to be physically a stud, his chances of getting to the NFL are very low. Like he's got, he's got to basically look like Gronkowski in order to, to make it to the NFL. So why not build up your child, you know, for financial security. So I think what the dad's doing is great. Like he's getting the kid the exposure. They already getting scholarship offers. And if it doesn't, you know, work out, he can fall back on his money that he's made as a brand. So I don't think there's anything wrong with what he's doing. And he's actually out there working. Like he's in people's DMs, everybody's DMs saying like, Hey, can you get my son on your show? If you don't like it, say no. But obviously people want the kid on the show because they know it boosts ratings. So the dad, if anything is, is, you know, a media guru. So props to him. Uh, shout out to our guy, Mike Regina. He obviously knows about, about baby Gronk and he's, and he's listening. So appreciate that. And, you know, he's the, he's the creator of the JT and the Don, uh, intro music. Um, JT, you mentioned the father there. Has, has he DM'd us about getting baby Gronk on the show? I don't know. I got, I got to check our, uh, All right, the email. Job, I got to check the DMs where a, you gotta like, you gotta accept the request, but it's probably in there. I, I'll okay. hit him up. All right, yeah, take a look at it. Maybe it's not. We don't have a blue check yet. Maybe someone can help us with the blue check. And hey, look, hey, hey, baby Gronk, if you and your dad see this, come on. He can tell you whatever to say. We'll talk We'll, we'll talk about whatever you want. We're, we're open to having you on the show. Fair enough? Well, it's an open invite. We'll see if they, if they, if they take it. All right. Everyone's favorite segment. There it is, and you spelled it right. On on the show card, yeah, forget you, about it or forgazy. This everyone, man have a heart attack. Everyone's favorite. Hopefully, you know by now. But just in case, there's some new listeners out there. We appreciate it. First time listeners, you know, please subscribe to us, give us a five star review, and come back for future episodes. But the way this segment works, we're gonna read a statement. If we agree with it and we think it's a good take, a hot take, we're gonna say forget about it, like in Donnie Brasco. Or if we don't agree with it and we think it's a bad take. We're going to say Fugazi, all right? First one, JT. Paige Bukers should transfer to Iowa so fans can have an epic rematch of Iowa-LSU in the finals. Oh, forget about it. I'm being selfish as hell. Yes, I would love to see Paige Bukers and Caitlin Clark versus LSU, Reese, and uh, Haley Von Lith, who just transferred there from Louisville. I love to see that. So this time we can actually make it to the – to the championship game and see it. But I will say this. It's probably Fugazi because our guy, Goat Talk with Marcus, who is the expert on women's basketball, expert on college basketball, expert on WNBA. So go check him out on the Give Us a Shot Network. Uh, shout out to Marcus. 
we talked about this on after his show and we had i want to say we had like an hour conversation about this and i brought this up and he gave me very valid reasons why this should not happen and two biggest reasons was one that they wouldn't be a good fit together especially on defense so it probably wouldn't work from that standpoint and also we talked about like UConn really doesn't have a quote unquote like transfer culture when it comes to basketball. Like you think about everyone jumping schools, you don't really hear about UConn doing that. And they have a good class coming in, both men's and women's. So he says that it should not happen, even though it would be fun to see. But I got to say, forget about it, because I do want to see it because I just want to see as much fireworks as I can in women's basketball and bring more attention to it. It's for Gazy and. The reason being is that when you have a lot of good teams, JT, that means a lot of good basketball. And when there's a lot of good basketball and a lot of intrigue and a lot of storylines, that bumps up ratings. And, and, you know, I think that Paige staying at UConn and you've got Iowa, hopefully as dominant as they were in the tournament last year, LSU hopefully as dominant as they were last year going into this year, like now you've got three powerhouses. There might be another team that sneaks up there. All the, there's always, you know, a team that comes out of nowhere. Now you might have an all-time great Final Four, and UConn is not necessarily the favorite. So Fugazi, stay where you are and just let it all play out, and we could get some really good basketball uh, once again come April um, in the NCAA tournament. Ooh, I know this one is for you. <laughs> Jimmy Butler is not a superstar. Forget about it or for Gazy. Forget about it. If, if you had said playoff superstar, now that's a different story. But a superstar? Ah, forget, forget about it. Forget about it. Agree. Forget about it. He's a star, but he's not Jokic, Giannis, Steph, right. KD, Embiid. Or exactly. Like those are superstars. JT, look at it. This is the way I look at a superstar nowadays. If they're coming to town, let's say the Heat didn't have, you know, let's say the Heat, all right, yeah, the Heat have a team, whether you have a, a team or not in the city. The Heat have a team, let's say they were at the bottom, right, of the standings. They didn't have a star on the team. Jimmy Butler wasn't there. If Jimmy Butler's coming in, he had never played for the Heat, but he's coming in with, you know, uh, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Are no. you buying a ticket? No. Or are you not buying to a see ticket? Jimmy when, Butler. Exactly. I might be we, buying a ticket because the team is bad and it's but, cheap and I want to get in to see a basketball game, but, but when, I ain't going to pay to see Jimmy Butler. But when LeBron and Steph Curry come to town, you'd be much more inclined to buy that ticket. And they'll be much more inclined to raise the prices. Case in point, when we were in Houston, they were playing the Rockets. All of a sudden, getting the building is 300 bucks. <laughs> and yeah, LeBron's yeah. a game-time decision, like a real game-time decision. <laughs> all right. So, next one. Jokic is already a top 15 player all time. This is tough, man, because we just bashed him saying he'll never be the biggest, the best big man it's different different arguments here. Um, I gotta say, forget about it because if I tell you what, if he would have won that third MVP, lock. But I think people have realized that basically he is the MVP this year. So we're gonna say he's a three-time MVP in a row. And just what he did, he's done stat-wise and in the playoffs, it's namely in the finals, like a triple double is nothing to this guy. And we're talking about like 30. 20 and 15 triple doubles like these and these are efficient these aren't the russell westbrook triple doubles where he's doing that on on 20 percent shooting oh, like oh, no knock my guy this is this westbrook. is an all-time great talent so this i think the championship the mvps and the talent i think you gotta put them in the top 15 all time 
No, it's Fugazi. NBA is about longevity, man. It's always about longevity. He he, not there yet. I, I gave you the arguments before. He's only 28. Again, 10 years of 32 points per game just to pass Kareem. Like, he's not – listen, he's not an all-time shot-blocking defender. And so right now you, look you, like one against us. you can't put him in there. Listen, this is my list real quick. LBJ, MJ, Kobe, Kareem, Wilt, Shaq, Bird, Magic, Curry, Duncan, Russell. Oscar, KD, and I put Hakeem and Jerry West in there right now. Like I'm putting, I'm putting him above KD. KD got to show. Wow. KD has to do more. See, I'm putting that, him above KD. See, see, nah, that's messed up. That's all right. Up. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that another day. Yes. Next one, Lions rookie running back Jameer Gibbs comments on NFL practices versus Bama practices under Saban were disrespectful to Saban. So backstory. They asked him the difference between NFL and college, and he said, in the NFL, they get in good work, and they don't try to kill us. Of course, alluding that Bama practices, they run the players too hard, and they try to kill them. So were those comments by Gibbs disrespectful to Saban? Did he actually use that word? Yeah. Okay. I I say Fugazi. I don't think it's disrespectful because I think that He's just trying to say that, yo, we we put the work in at Bama and they were physical practices. And I mean, it's not like maybe I have to see the body language or the tone, but I think he was just kind of stating a fact like, yo, that we're efficient here in the NFL. But and Alabama's known for that now. They they, they, they're known for running you ragged. That's why their players come into the league broken. But they know that and they still choose to go there. So to me, I don't think it was disrespectful. I think maybe he was giving props like, yo, at Bama, our practices are tough, man. Like we're tough dudes at Bama. That's the way you could look at it because that's the way the Hurricanes practiced in the 80s. I would say forget about it. I do think this is kind of disrespectful. And it's of course you would. it's because like, how could you say anything negative about Bama other than I enjoyed my time there and things were great? Like they rescued you from Georgia Tech and you knew this about Bama before you went there. So why even go there? And if you would and you could have gone somewhere else. And to Saban, like Saban made you a top 10 pick as an undersized running back. Like the Detroit Lions. Hold on. Show some respect, the Detroit, man. No, the Detroit Lions did that. The Detroit Lions did hey, that. Hey, but who put? Hey, if he was at Georgia Tech still, they, he wouldn't been picked that high. He went to Bama because he wore the crimson and white. That's why he got chosen. Hmm. All right. Is this the last one? I think this is the last, last one, one. Then we can get right. out of here. Last one. The Commanders made an all-time mistake drafting Chase Young number two instead of going with Justin Herbert. Or Tua. Oh, forget about it. Like, if you don't have a franchise quarterback and there's quarterbacks available in the draft, like, you got to go get them. Especially in this scenario, Joe Burrow went number one, but it's not like Tua wasn't viewed as a number one overall pick until he got hurt. And then you said it. Justin Herbert was the best quarterback in that draft. So you had two, two people to choose from, even though Burrow wasn't there. And you chose Chase Young whose best season is seven and a half sacks. He got hurt, and he hasn't been the same since. So much that they're considering trading him, and nobody wants him. I think they even declined his, his option, right? So I think that not picking a quarterback at number two set them back tremendously. So I got to agree with that. 
So first, did I say Herbert was the best quarterback in the draft? Or you did. Or or should he have been like the best riser in the draft? I think like, you said he was the best quarterback in the draft. I don't know. I have to go back and listen. Listen, it's Fugazi, though. This is Fugazi because he, Chase Young is a huge difference maker. Like we're talking Vaughn Miller-esque when he's healthy. All right. And when he's healthy, they have a really good to great defense. All right. And listen, Joe Burrow was the number one overall pick. That's why I'm not sure if I specifically said Herbert's the best quarterback in the draft. All right. I may have said Herbert has like the best arm or the best. Yo, can you just take the something. take the win and just, just move on? But, Damn. But anyway, <laughs> you listen, said that. Listen, if Joe Burrow didn't have the season he had at LSU in 2019, JT, Chase Young is the number one overall pick. The Steelers are playing him twice a year. He goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. And if two on Herbert were that great, they would have gone two and three or three and four after the commander's pick. They didn't. So you got Joe Burrow, all-time season at LSU, all-time quarterback number one coming out, can't miss prospect. So had he not been there, Chase Young goes number one since he takes him. No way. That's why it's because Tua Tua was had always been QB one until Joe Burrow. But then he got hurt. And Justin Herbert was always good. They always viewed him as a top five pick. It it, it was the wrong. It was the wrong choice. They still weren't. They still weren't. They weren't top five picks. Or they should have went three and four. If if everyone thought hindsight is twenty twenty, now we see that. But you still have doubts about Tua. So why would he go in number two? (laughs) Apparently, I'm the only one. All right, all right. We'll see what happens. Um, before we go, I know how you always like to throw out like stats of the day. So I'm going to give you one. I felt, I thought this was very interesting. I don't know if you know this, but we're all, people are always debating like what's the best college football team of all time. Right. And of course our answer is 2001 Miami Hurricanes. <laughs> I was, I was looking this up and I saw this and I'm like, this gotta be the open and shut case. This is the best team of all time. So think, somebody think, did yeah. the math and they I found somebody, out that. Hold on. Before you do that. I think this was sent in the group chat, right? Is this the one well, you're talking about? But go ahead. I don't know, but it might have. But <laughs> somebody did the math. If that 2001 Miami Hurricanes team didn't score one offensive touchdown the entire season, they would have still gone eight and four. Mm. That is crazy. So <laughs> I think it should be open and shut. That's the best college football team of all time. The offense could have stayed home and they would have gone eight and four defense and special teams wins championships man wins championships yo the the hurricanes now get three thousand yard passers and score 40 points sometimes and we still go seven and five seven and six with a bowl loss unbelievable unbelievable that's crazy no no offensive production and you go eight and four (laughs) that is something good stat stat of the day presented by JT, we have any advertisements here to, to, to go with? Or nope. can, can we go to the end? Nope. All right. All right. So thank you to the fans and listeners out there. As always, great episode. Always a pleasure. And remember to please subscribe to us, JT and the Don, all sports podcasts. We can be found on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you find all of your other favorite podcast and remember if you like what we do leave us a five-star review and jt if you don't like what leave us a five-star review and remember to please follow us on social media our handle jt and the dawn we can be found 
on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. So, JT, great episode as always, man. And until the next episode, see ya. Peace.